What is up guys? This is All The Smoke on Strength and Physique with your hosts Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all who are bettering themselves with fitness. Welcome back to our four, no, I think we got six listeners now, Chris, is that right? Six listeners to on All The Smoke on Strength and Physique? I think, I think you're talking us up. Talking is up. All right. Well, three. All right. We'll, we'll put in a range. Welcome to our three to six listeners back to all the smoke on strength of physique. We got another special guest. Her name is Sarah Ford. Um, she's a former USF bull graduated last year, um, has been in the evidence based community for quite some time. I think her story is pretty interesting because from what I understand about you, you came into our master's program at USF as a health science major thinking you want to do a totally different route came in and you were just like, whoa, like exercise science is a lot more than, you know, just being a personal trainer and understanding the physiology. So excited to kind of get into that. Uh, but before I, you know, talk and hype you up even more, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. So guys, so um, my name is, well, technically my name is Sarah Ford Bishop. Uh, I did just get married, but I literally just last week, it became like official, like on my social security card official. So uh, um, that that's new, but um, I left my middle name Ford because research studies and Ford's a pretty cool last name. Uh, so that way I'm still, you can still look me up, you know, when it comes to all the studies coming out of USF. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was on the nursing track up until my second to last semester um, of, of undergrad. And then I actually took the, um, weight training course that Lauren Colenzo taught. Um, in, I don't know if you know her, I don't know if she was the same cohort as you, or she was a couple of cohorts ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of, so. I remember her specifically, um, doing the glute study and I was in undergrad. So I, I've ran into her a few times and I think yeah. she's her PhD at McMaster, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. she's the one that introduced me to Dr. Campbell and was kind of like, you know, this, this is a career, you know? So that's why I, I, so I think for me, it was kind of, I wanted to do nursing. Like I was, um, I've always been passionate about healthcare, but I started to kind of realize that the nursing track was kind of the safe track um, and kind of what everyone else expected me to do. And then also, you know, I mean, you guys know as coaches, you know, I wanted to help people before they got in the hospital, right? Um, so before they got sick, so that's, you know, where I, I wanted to, you know, kind of do the, the exercise science route. And, um, I don't know if Campbell ever gave you guys the book. So good. They can't ignore you Cal Newport. So kind of idea is, you know, it's not enough to be a, be passionate about something, right. You gotta be, you know, a master of your craft. So grad school being the master of my craft was the goal. Gotcha. So yeah, go ahead and tell us kind of, you know, the journey of, um, you know, being someone that wanted to go into nursing school. Um, if I'm correct, you worked as a personal trainer at Crunch, um, and then you were strictly online and with BioLane, and now you're kind of running your own solo show. So walk us through, you know, the, just the patience and the persistence of going through like a master's degree and developing your own business and developing your own platform and all of that good justice. Yeah. So my, um, my, once I was my second to last semester of, um, of undergrad as a health science major. And I actually started my first like training type job or my first job as like a coach was actually as a nutrition coach with, um, fit life foods. I don't know if you guys are familiar. It's like a local meal prep company around here. So I actually first, as far as, you know, being paid to coach, you know, I was my, I was a nutrition coach before I was a, you know, in-person personal trainer. Um, so I feel like I got a lot of kind of interviewing, you know, talking to people's skills by doing that. Um, also kind of backtrack here. I know we're going to get into it, but, you know, I have a history of eating disorders of, you know, anorexia. So therapy is not a new thing for me. And not that what we do as coaches is therapy, you know, there's a, you know, very fine line, but, um, I did get a lot of experience, I guess, and kind of, um, learned a lot from, you know, working with therapists myself, as far as motivational interviewing goes and, you know, really understanding someone like psychologically, right. Because, you know, we can tell them all, all the, you know, 
you know, there's no good food, bad foods. And, you know, this is what, you know, this is a good source of fiber. We can tell them all this information, but, you know, at the end of the day, you got to work with someone, you know, worth where they're at. And that involves kind of understanding their psychology. So, um, but yeah, so worked as a, a, a health coach is was the title at Fit Life Foods. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I just wanted more experience with personal training. Um, so I did work at crunch. I'll be honest. I worked there very briefly because I just could not with the corporate structure. Like I, and this is, I mean, this is something I've always struggled with. I'm like, not a salesperson. Like, you know, I can, I can talk, but I was not about to like shove, you know, a $90 personal training session down someone's throat. Right. So I didn't last long there (laughs) at all. Um, but I did, I mean, and I did uh, really enjoy working in the lab, like for free and, and coaching subjects, you know, there. Um, and I found that to be like really rewarding. Um, but so I kind of jumped around a little bit, but I, my last, sem- second sem- last semester of grad school, um, Lane uh, and Holly, actually, I think doc- Dr. Campbell, you know, how he, you know, kind of helps, you know, us behind the scenes a little bit, but the opportunity came up where Lane and Holly were looking to start adding coaches to their team. David Mathis was a coach on their team already, um, but they were looking to add more coaches. So they presented me with the opportunity to be a coach on their team. And of course I, you know, said, yes. Um, you know, I mean, I think we all relate to watching Lane's YouTube videos in 2010 or 2009 and learning from him in that way. So um, that was a really cool opportunity. Um, and I worked with them for about a year and a half before deciding to go out on my own as a nutrition, online nutrition coach and training coach. So, (laughs) so one thing, uh, yeah, no, that's, so I work at crunch as well. And that's one thing I tell people is going into a position like that. You have to focus on sales first. And if that's not something you enjoy, then it's not going to be easy for you. Um, and not saying you don't do sales now, it's just the way you do sales is you market yourself, you put out a lot of free content and then a lot of people will come to you and then you sort of just, you close it from there. But people are usually seeking your services because of the way you've impacted them without directly talking to them. Right. Um, No, that's a good point. And then, I mean, and the other thing with that is I just wasn't and I know you relate to this, you know, being a trainer there, like you have to be there oh, uh, yeah. to get clients. And it was, it was, we were just starting, I forget what study it was at USF. Um, and I was pretty heavily involved and my course load was really high. And I just personally, I just couldn't handle it all. Like I couldn't give, I couldn't put the time into being there, um, at the gym. And, you know, for me, like I wanted to be in the lab more. So, um, you know, I kind of took that, you know, um, and, as kind of a loss for me. Yeah. And I think it's really smart that you did that. And it's, it's obviously gotten you to where you're at now is realizing that you needed to focus on other things. And I'm sure you, you seem like a very smart, hardworking individual. So I'm sure you could have done it, but the smartest thing for you at that time was to focus on the lab. And I think that was really good. Um, but so you learned a lot from in-person corporate and then you transitioned to, online coaching, what are this, what are some of the biggest things that you learned were different between the two? It's definitely hard. It's so that online, you know, the client has to be even more accountable than they are in person. Right. Uh, and I think that, you know, the, the people you work with online are a little bit different than the people you work with in person. Um, especially at the meal prep company, because at the meal prep company, they were, you know, the way it operated is they were just paying for their food. Right. And I was getting a commission off the food. They weren't paying for, you know, to work with me directly. So kind of the motivation, you know, to kind of stick with things is different. Um, I would say the hardest thing though, with online coaching is that you're not there with them from the training standpoint. Like that's, I mean, you guys know, like, I can tell my clients until I'm blue in the face to, you know, increase the weight. And, you know, they do, I mean, my clients send me training videos and, you know, but there's only so much you can cue when, you know, it's over a video and it's not in real time. Right. Um, so I would say, you know, I, I personally think that you should have at least a, 
pretty sound foundation in the gym before you go to hire an online coach. Um, and I also think online coaches should have some in-person experience. It doesn't have to be paid experience, uh, but you know, a solid kind of understanding um, of working with someone in person so that you're better able to communicate online. Yeah, I definitely relate to that because I always, when I first started doing online coaching, it was crazy to me that some people just kind of like, like you said, they almost want to be told what to do. Um, and that's all they want. It's just some, some sort of guidance um, with in-person or even with like meal prep companies. It seems like, right, they expect you to kind of do all the work for them. I mean, you still kind of get those individuals online, but those online individuals, they're a different beasts. Like they already are highly motivated, highly disciplined. They just want someone to almost hold them accountable um, and that so forth. But I think I definitely agree with before you are even an online coach, you definitely have to have some sort of experience being in person, like you said, communicating with people, because if you're not able to persuade your message in maybe 10 different ways, you're going to struggle. And I think that's in any type of educational or personal training um, job or anything like that. If you're, if you're not able to dummy it down four or five different ways until somebody it finally clicks, um, you're definitely... I don't want to say you're in the wrong profession, but you're just going to struggle in that aspect because um, sometimes it, it, or it could challenge you. Maybe you don't know it as much as you can or as much as you think. And I think that's the beauty of seeing be being working at in person and online is that I'm able to kind of persuade my message four or five different ways before I get to finally understand it almost in, in that aspect. So. And I think um, something super important that Sarah didn't directly say, but she indirectly said it is if, if you never trained in person, it's going to be really hard to know that people are very reluctant sometimes to increase weight because they don't feel like they're safe to, or they don't think that they can, or they think that what they're currently doing is already hard. So they're not going to be able to increase weight more without that knowledge. It's, it's going to be hard to identify an issue that you don't even know is there if they're reluctant to increasing weight. Yeah, I would say, and I would say too, my most successful clients are the ones that do semi-training footage and are looking to improve because, you know, I have some, it's like pulling teeth and I'm like, if you can't, you know, I, it's, I know it's a little uncomfortable to set your phone up in the gym and stuff, but it, mm -hmm. it's really important. And, um, you know, I think, I think it was, uh, Alberto Nunez that I heard on their podcast, they were saying, so he was saying something like, if you're embarrassed to film, just like, you know, film yourself and then spend a good like two minutes, like really studying your phone to like really make sure everyone in the gym knows that, you know, you're, that, that's what you're filming for. You're not just there on the gram, you know, but, um, yeah, the training it, it's, and so many women, especially underestimate their strength. So it's, it's really key. Well, not even women too. I've had males, uh, that just, are very reluctant because they've never, it's like their first time training, they've never pushed themselves and they're feeling like a really bad burn. That's mm -hmm. very normal, but they're like, but this is burning really bad. This is not normal. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it's just really important. Uh, and but I think too, isn't that like, I mean, that's from their personal experience from that, that certain time and moment where they haven't exercised, but I think it's always cool to kind of see for me, like I do weekly, like, check-ins obviously but especially with training where right rpe's this way weight is this way but always to kind of look back from week one to week six and say hey this is what your load and rpe was now or then and here it is what now it's like yo this is clear indication that you're getting stronger and just your experience and tolerability to a certain load or burn is that much there so that's another way to kind of see progress without obviously testing or doing something crazy like that um, and I think that's what a lot of people specifically sometimes online, they need that because it's like, Hey, I'm putting all this work. I'm not seeing anything. Um, and Sarah, if you, if you can go on to that, what it was like, uh, a client online or in person where like, they're just continuing to say, Hey, I'm showing up, I'm putting in the work, but I'm not seeing any results, but you as the trainer, you see the results. How are you trying to persuade that to them? Yeah. Um, I like what you said there about like, you know, showing them the data, like the, the strength data in particular, like, Hey, you, you know, of course, you know, getting stronger and building muscle, it doesn't always happen, you know, together. They're a little different. Um, you know, uh, but for the most part, if you're getting stronger, you know, you're also, you know, going to be, be building some muscle mass. So I like showing them that. And then, um, another thing that I 
frequently do, I would say is with my female clients when they say, you know, I'm, I say female, cause I get the more complaining, I guess, with the females <laughs> than the guys just calling my clients out here a little bit. But, um, I, sh I do progress pictures. I send them their progress pictures side by side with like their heads cut off. And I'm like, look, look at this right here. And like, I think sometimes with me, like with my mouth, like pointing it out, like, this is your glute, like, this is your delt, like, this is growth, you know, that really, you know, it helps them. Um, but it, a lot of times it is kind of just your coach. And I think this is another little tangent, but I think a lot of coaches like online coaches, they forget that, that, like, I think I personally believe a job of a coach is to be motivational, you know, to some degree, like some of these people are like, Oh, coaches, coaches shouldn't have to motivate. And yeah, like I shouldn't have to motivate you to get to the gym every day, but like, I should be motivating you, you know, like, did you play sports growing up? Like that is what a coach kind of does, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. You definitely got to be their biggest cheerleader. Um, even when things are going really well, even things were going really down. Um, but like you said, we aren't the cheerleader where it's like, Hey, you have to go to the gym. You have to, they are doing that. Now it's our right just to, I guess, take a step back and let them know, Hey, this is what you were doing. This is what you're doing now. Like that's progress in itself. So totally agree with you on that. Um, so obviously, right. You mentioned a little bit before that, you know, you went through a period of like with eating disorder, um, and then the last month was, you know, uh, awareness for eating disorders. Uh, so we should have had you on last month, but shame on us. But why did you go through that? I mean, if you don't mind going through that dark period, what like led up to that? Um, and then, you know, during that, what I guess was that that initial click that was like, yo, this is a problem because um, we spoke with David uh, last week and he like, he you don't even think of it. Right. You think that's your reality. That's your normal. Yeah. Um, what was it that finally clicked? You're like, Hey, this isn't how it's supposed to be. So honestly, I had a, I had a multiple moments like that. So I would say like three moments before it finally clicked. But, um, I mean, it, there should be more awareness across the board. So it's okay. We missed eating disorder awareness month. You know, we'll keep the ball rolling. Um, but so I, so my, kind of restrictive tendencies started when I was 14. Um, I was getting ready to go out. I wanted to go out for the cross country team in high school, you know, transitioning from middle school to high school and, you know, wanted to start running more um, and also quote unquote, clean up my diet, you know, and I grew up eating very healthy, like for the most part, like my parents, like it was pretty much bro food. A lot of times, you know, it was like grilled, uh, grilled steak and, you know, asparagus and a side of baked potato, whatever. That was like a, really common dinner. But anyway, slowly cleaning up my diet, which led to, you know, restricting packaged foods, um, you know, processed foods. And soon enough, like after a couple months, basically my diet was like deli meat, chicken, apples, lettuce, yogurt, you know, basically that and <laughs> running, you know, three miles every single day, um, lost weight pretty quick. Um, I officially was diagnosed uh, in 2010 with anorexia, um, my mom took me to the gastroenterologist to see if there was something clinically wrong or physically wrong with me. Uh, and the, uh, the gastroenterologist looked at me and was like, you're, you're not even eating enough for a toddler. And I was kind of like, oh shit. And I think part of me knew, like, I think part of me was hoping there was something physically wrong with me, but I knew that I was doing something that was kind of fucked up, but I, Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear? I'm good. Okay. Yeah, auto smoke. Auto smoke. We can okay. drop auto smoke if you want. <laughs> so, but you know, so that, that was not the moment for me. That was really just the start, you know, cause now it was kind of like, okay, everyone like my, you know, my, the smoke has been, you know, brushed aside and my, I'm kind of revealed here. Um, but anyway, so I was hospitalized when I was 15 years old for a dangerously low heart rate. Uh, and from there went to a inpatient treatment facility and I was there for a month and that's where I, so I learned a lot, a lot of my recovery, you know, a big part of my recovery was learning and my, my dietitian when I was in treatment was really impactful for me. Like I really looked forward to our, um, nutrition groups and learning, you know, that, oh, wow. Um, I'm, you know, I would say I want to be a better athlete, but here I am restricting carbohydrates and, you know, that's my primary fuel source. Right. And learning like, oh, wow, I, you know, 
my urine has ketones in it because I'm starving and my muscles are wasting away, right? Like learning all this, you know, stuff about my body. Um, you know, like I said, I was always kind of into health. Like when my, I was little, like thought I wanted to be a doctor. So um, that side really did appeal to me. Um, but kind of long story short, keep fast forwarding. You know, I got out of treatment, but was still at an unhealthy weight. Um, a lot of times insurance companies won't cover treatment for longer than like a month. Um, so, and feel free to stop me if you guys have any questions, but anyway, so I was, you know, 15, got out of treatment for the first time, never really recovered. Um, and then when I was 19 or 18, um, got out of a just controlling relationship. Uh, and during that, you know, towards the end of our relationship, I slowly started restricting again, um, and found myself again, kind of in this place where I had to go to treatment again. So had my 19th birthday, birthday in treatment. Um, and that still wasn't enough. Like I thought I, it had clicked then. Like I thought when I got out of treatment, like I was good or cured, you know, whatever you want to say, but sure enough, like another year later, I found myself relapsing again, um, in, in college. And for me that time it was, I realized like how much I had at stake. You know, I was in a good relationship. Um, I was, you know, going to school at USF in my undergrad. Like I had all this stuff going for me and I realized like I was going to lose it all. Like I was just self-destructing again and I was going to lose all this stuff that I had going for me. Um, so for, that was kind of it for me. Like I was kind of like, okay, I need to cut the shit and, you know, start working with my dietitian again and start eating. Um, so it really helped me to kind of look at my body then as like a science experiment, like, Hey, let's just try this, you know, let's see what happens. Um, and I just never looked back after that. So that would have been shoot 2016, I think 2016 when I finally was like, okay, no more. And it wasn't smooth sailing, but that was when I was like, I'm never going back, back, I guess. <laughs> So how, you know, from, you know, it's been what, 2016, it's been about five years now. How yeah. has the progress been thus far? Because I remember when I first met you, um, I was like, you, you I mean, you, you even said it yourself that, yeah, I'm a toothpick. And how is that like progressed from you transitioning to bodybuilding where, right, you need to put on lean body mass. You need to go through those phases where it's uncomfortable, almost gaining certain amounts of weight or increasing amounts of food. How is that with you now? Are you still kind of talking with somebody or is that kind of, you know, solo approach right now? Cause you've caught, you've learned and understand how, um, or what triggers you or how to go yeah. about things. No, it's still very much a mind fuck. <laughs> um, you know, and I think, you know, that's why I say I'm in recovery. I'm not recovered. Cause I think it's, it's always kind of going to be there. And in times of stress, like I'm going to have to like, you know, really make sure that I'm on it, you know, and not you know, acting out or I don't, you know, little behaviors don't, you know, slip in like, Oh, like, I'll give you a great example in quarantine. Like I started running again and I went zero to a hundred and ended up with a knee injury. Right. Because, you know, I, I just didn't have an off switch. So that was a good, you know, check. And I know like it wasn't all eating disorder related, but it was very much that personality trait of, you know, more, 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 you know, oh, I started running. I'm going to be perfect at running. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's something I'm always going to have to deal with, but you know, when I started, so when I got out of treatment the first time and, you know, before my, you know, last relapse, I started learning more about bodybuilding. Um, and I, you know, started seeing these interviews with like Lauren Simpson and Hattie Boyle her these, you know, WBFF, uh, bikini pros and reading their workout, you know, routines and their diets and realizing like, wow, these girls weigh like 40 more pounds than I do. And like, I love how they look and, you know, they're squatting and they're deadlifting and they're, you know, eating a lot more than I was. So that's when, you know, things started to kind of click for me. Um, and I think just, you know, now, I mean, I weigh more than I ever have in my life and, you know, it's, it's scary if I think about it, but I just choose not to think about it. And I choose to kind of, you know, be objective with myself. And that's where, you know, I have a coach, you know, I still see a therapist every like eight weeks or 10 weeks or so. Like, I don't need to see her that often, but it's just good to have, you know, someone to, you know, talk to, you know, who's kind of objective and, um, you know, knowing that, you know, it's not a weight, it's a, 
kind of a look that I'm after. And some might say that like, oh, eating disorder recovery, you can't think of that way, but you know, it works for me. So, um, you know, only, you know, your intentions, right? Uh, so yeah, that was something that you mentioned that you looked at these people's diets, their training, and then you saw how they looked. That's something I actually utilize with a lot of my clients, because as you know, with working with people, most people, it's not that they're, they have an eating disorder, but they just, they don't eat how they should. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are unaware of that. And then they come to you and they want this body and it's like, okay, this body that you want eats like this person that you're pointing out eats like 5,000 calories a day. They don't do any cardio. They lift, they have a lot of muscle on them. That's, that's something I utilize because not a lot of people see these bodies and they just think, oh, I can't eat if I want to look like that. But no, it's the exact opposite. So that I just really wanted to capitalize that. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that's something that everyone should realize. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I say a lot like to my clients is your goal physique, it likely requires that you, you weigh more than you do right now. So Sarah, so something that I always have a, a problem with is, you know, when I work with female clients in person or online is getting them to buy into eating more. What is the approach that you take to, I guess, explain other than, hey, right, it's going to require you to do this. Something that I, I, I guess, to, for the way I explain it is, right, take it me for an example. The only reason I'll ever freaking diet is if it's, hey, I got to go ahead, cut some weight to do a powerlifting competition. Other than that, you know, I'm trying not to eat like an asshole, but if I eat like an asshole, it is what it is. But I like to say, right, I don't diet for that long of a period. So when I do diet, it's not as much work. So I can lose weight. I can cut my calories very little and I can eat about 350 plus grams of carbohydrates and I'm still losing weight. So I've set myself up for a long, like very easy success when I need to diet. But I think specifically in this society in the United States, it's like, you know, the harder it is, the better it should be. But I think, again, that's not the message that I try to persuade is like, Dieting should be pretty easy, right? You shouldn't be dieting all the time, but sometimes it's really hard for a female or even a male client to really understand that. So what is the type of approach for somebody that's literally been into the opposite end of the spectrum with an eating disorder? I I didn't eat anything. I almost collapsed because I was at such a low heart rate to now where, hey, food is is fuel. I'm enjoying life. I'm putting on lean mass um, and you're a competitive bodybuilder. So how are you trying to persuade that message? And before you answer that, just what are some foods that you really love that you have on a day-to-day basis, whether they're unhealthy or healthy? Oh gosh. Um, potatoes. Like I, like I used to be so afraid of potatoes (laughs) and like rice and like things like that. Eggs. Like I remember like sitting in treatment and like just foot on the ground, like refusing to eat a whole egg. And it was like, I would like, and I even wasn't even afraid of eggs at that point. I was just me being, you know, stubborn and not wanting to follow the rules. Right. But you know, things like that, I mean, like cereal's a big one, like, and what I, you know, for foods like that, like cereal would be a good example. Like with my clients, like if they have like a fear food kind of around that, I, you know, want it, I, I start by incorporating it like post-workout. Like I say, Hey, you know, cereal is going to be a great, you know, simple carb to refuel post-workout going to re, you know, refuel your, you know, muscle glycogen, um, going to help with your recovery. And, you know, I give them kind of the science behind it. Um, and I think that helps, uh, you know, a lot of my clients kind of ease into it. Um, so appealing to kind of the science side of things, and then, you know, Adam answering kind of your question, uh, how do I help, you know, girls, you know, kind of in situations, either I kind of was in, or just going to afraid to eat more. It depends on who I'm working with, but a lot of times I do kind of appeal to that like athlete side and, or, you know, they, they're, they identify as being like hardcore, like I'll do all the cardio I'll, I'll, you know, I'll restrict, like I can, I can do it coach, like, you know, put me in. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, what's actually hardcore is doing the opposite of that because for you, like, that's easy. That's the easy stuff. What we're going to do now, this is the hard stuff. And, you know, uh, we're going to ease into it, but you know, this is, you know, this is really what's hardcore. Um, and it's really, it's each week, you know, reiterating that. And again, showing those progress pictures, showing the, you know, side by side, the strength side, 
Um, and even sometimes putting the scale away, you know, saying, hey, let's let's skip it for, you know, a couple of weeks here or months, honestly. Yeah, so that's something I've done previously is like, okay, let's just remove the scale and let's literally just use the waist measurement and let's literally use just your progress pictures. And more importantly, just how are you feeling? Because I'm sure you're starting to feel more energized. Your workouts are a lot more intensified because you're actually eating and you're allowing yourself to, again, put that effort and intensity in those workouts so we can finally see those body composition changes. But I think if that's, if there's one, I don't want to call it an issue, but if there's one situation I continuously find myself in it's that one it's either male or female where it's like hey I, I just let me like you said let me just do more cardio give me more give me more give me more it was like okay well right you've done more and you're more and you continue to tell me you're fatigued continuously telling me hey you have x amount of milligrams of caffeine you continuously tell me that it, this everything's getting really situated why don't you just pull back a little bit let's take step by step and like you said sometimes that's the harder thing to do um, but I always find it fascinating how other individuals kind of explain that, um, to them. Um, but I think, yeah, that's, I think there's, if there's one stigma, I think the fitness industry or just the health realm needs to get away from is like dieting needs to be super hard and eating a thousand calories is what you need to be doing where it's probably not at all. I know Chris kind of, uh, alluded to explain to the, the, what is it? The caloric floor, something that I had never heard of, but something now I try to explain to some of my clients. So um, I think that's helped to put an actual objective number to whatever they're trying to, you know, put, bring them up to or down to. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that I really hope in the next five, 10 years that it's not how low can I go to get to my weight is like, how much can I eat and still get to my goal weight? I think that's hopefully will be the next change in the fitness industry. Exactly. Yeah. And just, yeah, I, I I agree. So how, okay, let's brainstorm this because I see that as impossible. How would that even become, how, is that something that's currently going on or is I think, that no, something? Chris, if I, if I had to be honest, like what you, Sarah, and all of our coaches that I know from USF and out of USF, I think just literally persuading the same message in a different tone or a different avenue is what's really going to do it. Is it going to be easy? No, but I think anything worth persuading or pursuing is not going to be easy. But I have faith that in the next five, 10 years, we'll have enough coaches like us that will get rid of that, that stigmatism of eating less is better for you. Okay. I like that. I would agree with that. Yeah. And then like, you know, it's great when your clients start telling you like, Hey, guess what coach? Like I was at a party and like, I was the one that stood up and said like, Hey, no, let's not like talk shit about carbs. Like, let's not talk bad about our bodies. Like, you know, I was the one educating my friends and you know, that's really rewarding for sure. And I think that's something that I probably can do a better job on. Cause I know even like my girlfriend's family that they'll say, Hey, no carbs are bad. Or I'll hear some wild shit come out of left field and I just let it slide. But I think, you know, being someone that is in the fitness industry that wants to have an impact that I hate, I need to step up and be like, Hey, like, that's not true at all. Like you can squat and deadlift and not kill your back. It's maybe just going, like you said, zero to hundred, that's where you're going to kill yourself. Um, or going zero to hundred on a diet. That's where you're going to lead to diet fatigue and lead into the, these binges, but you know, slow and steady progress, right? I think now in this industry where Amazon prime is, Hey, you put an order now, boom, it's right at your door with COVID. You know, I don't want to go to the grocery store. I can get my shit delivered to me now. It's so easy to just get things done really quick. Um, but when you have a goal, like with health and fitness, it's just not the case. Um, and I think, you know, Sarah is a great example of she was there and now she's here. Or I, I sometimes I say, I, I always have my first deadlift video of literally me almost shitting my spine out. And now I'm able to do 600 pounds and not shit my spine out. But like, I mean, that's, that's a, a objective statement. I don't <laughs> think you're that. <laughs> but what I, my, I guess my overwhelming message is it takes time. And in society nowadays, it's, it, doesn't have to take time for a lot of things to happen. So yeah. Then. And, and you might lose some people, like you might lose some people that aren't ready for it. But you know, what I tell people too, is I'm like, just try it. Like, give me three months mm -hmm. and I'll refund your misery. You know, like if, yeah. if you don't, you know, if you don't see some way you, your life will improve, like you were saying, like, it's, it may not even be your, you know, body where we see a major change yet, but the quality of your life is going to improve. Exactly. 
So Sarah, you've obviously, how many, you've competed in bodybuilding. I think you've done how many preps, one or two? Just one. Just one. So one question, how was that, you know, from your previous background with an eating disorder, how was that going into what I call some deep, dark shit with, you know, going into a physique sport? Um, Something that I've said before numerous on this podcast, something I don't think I can ever do because I love food too much. Um, And two, what are things that, you know, looking back that you could have changed doing it, obviously your first time? Yeah. So for, again, you know, for anyone with eating disorder background, it's going to be your intentions behind it. So I was really, you know, I thought about it, like, and I, like I said, I still work with a therapist. So I, you know, talked to her about it. I talked to Steven was my coach. So I talked to Steven about it. You know, I talked to my, you know, now husband about it. Like I let all these people in my circle know, like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I want to do it. It has nothing to do with an eating disorder. It has to do with identifying as an athlete in this sport and wanting to try this and succeed. Um, but I also, you know, was not, like I said before, I don't identify as being recovered. So I was also, I also knew that at the end of it, I was going to have to be really careful. Um, in a messed up way, the diet was really easy for me. Easy. You know, I mean, it's hard when, you know, you're, you're really hungry and, um, you know, you have all these things that you have to do and, you know, it's the energy, I would say the energy, the low energy is the hardest part. Um, so like, obviously it was, it was a challenge, but, um, I was kind of used to it. <laughs> uh, like I wasn't my, my, I had, I felt that before. Right. Um, but you know, I would say, you know, I got on stage and I loved it. Um, but my feedback from the judges, so, you know, Stephen, he marched me right up there, you know, after the show to get my feedback, I got dead last, um, which, you know, Stephen, we, we agreed that maybe that wasn't the right call, but anyway, marched up, got the judges feedback and, Steven, you know, kind of glanced over at the judges, you know, notes and he started, you know, busted out laughing. I was like, what does it say? <laughs> and he's like, it says eat. It said three letters. It said E-A-T. So my feedback was to eat and grow. Um, and, you know, I kind of was like, I could, I, um, I was going to do another show, but at that point I was like, that's my feedback to grow. Um, and, you know, choosing to grow was, you know, it's been, I've been growing ever since (laughs) basically, but you know, it was hard, um, post-show, you know, I was really gung-ho about, um, putting on size, adding calories, but you know, and I responded this way in treatment, I was kind of like a hyper responder to reverse dieting. So I actually started losing weight, even though we started increasing my calories by a lot and dropping my, um, dropping my, uh, my cardio, So that was kind of a mind F like I had to be really like, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm doing all these things, but I'm still losing weight. Um, and it was like those kind of old kind of voices. I wouldn't say they popped up, but it was kind of like, I'm trying to do the right thing here. And you know, it's, you know, I promise I'm not, you know, whatever going, I had a lot of people thinking that I was doing, you know, I was under eating or whatever, but, um, eventually started putting on weight and they stopped asking that, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely that harder in that post-show period, kind of given my history, I would say. So what are you, what is the, the intentions now with, you know, it seems like how long ago was that show about a year, year and a half, well, it'll, it'll be two years in June or July. It'll be two years in July. So now how long do you expect to, until your next show or how long are you, I'm assuming you're still like in a reverse or trying to like a game game. Yeah. I'm still, still in a building phase. Um, I would say I'm talking with my coach now about next year, 2022 to diet again. But again, like we, you were saying kind of before, like, I don't want to like diet if I'm not ready to compete. Right. I don't want to put my body through that. Um, metabolically, you know, hormonally, or I don't want to put my budget through that, you know, competing is, you know, not cheap. Right. So I don't want to go through that until I'm going to be competitive enough to, uh, you know, like get on a national stage and like, do I expect to get my pro card next season? No, but I want to be, you know, worthy of a top, you know, 10 card on like a national stage. Right. Which is pretty competitive, you know, in bikini. Um, so some of those girls, even though we're tiny, like, I mean, they're still, you know, in my height class, some of those girls are still 120 on stage shredded, right? And I'm just barely 117 right now. So it's competitive. Yeah, yeah that's my biggest thing is I really, really want to compete just to be like, not 
like, like you said, it's perfectly like, I want to be, I used to be an athlete. You used to be a really good runner and were you a really good runner? It sounds like you were a really good runner. No, I was more, so I was basketball and horseback riding. I was a good runner, but I wasn't like exceptional, I guess. Okay. Well, the, the way you sound like pushing yourself to a hundred, I'm going to say you're a good runner because, because yeah. like me running, like if I finish a mile, that's good to me. So, <laughs> um, but I really just want to compete in the sport just to be, to get that comp- competing feeling again, to feel like an athlete, to know that I can push myself uh, to a limit that a lot of people can't push. But I was just talking to Adam about this. It's a completely different mindset that you have to get into. And before I finished the grad program last December or in December, I was bulking for 12 weeks. I didn't miss a single day with calories. I was training six days a week. And I think I just really wore myself out because I just like crashed. Like, and since then I haven't been able to find that motivation for the gym or that motivation that is required of someone who's looking to be an athlete in that sport. So it's not easy. So uh, even though you got last, it's been Sarah, Sarah, what keeps you motivated? Cause like you said, it's been a year and a half since you've competed. It could even be longer until you step on stage next. What's keeping you motivated to continuously train, continuously eat these calories. Yeah, honestly, guys, like I'm just, I'm competitive and I want to be the best. Right. And like, I don't like, I don't know. Like I want to prove it to myself. Even it's not even that, like, like I set this goal for myself and I want to, you know, follow through, you know, with that. Um, and it, I, I don't, I don't know if, cause I'm not motivated solely by like a pro card or anything like that. I'm just more motivated by the process, um, you know, of getting there, I guess. And that's, I think, right. We all try to preset to our clients is like, just enjoy the process and you'll learn a lot more out of that experience. But I think what I was trying to tell Chris too, is for me, I don't know. I, I just enjoy training. Like it's hard for me not to train seven days a week. It's hard for me not to go to the gym or do something where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm tired or all of that. But obviously we, we can't do that. We're not machines, but whatever makes you tick, I think that's what is going to allow you to achieve optimal results. But I think enjoying it and in, in having the most fun out of it is probably the way to go about it. But again, for a subjective sport as bodybuilding, I, I, I couldn't relate. But if it's an objective, like weight on the bar, quality of movement, I know where I can kind of stay in week to week or day to day. Right. And I guess too, like kind of thinking about that, like I don't like when I like my day to day, I don't ever like, I don't think about the stage, right? Like I'm more like you, like I think about the process of, you know, going to the gym and, and lifting and beating, you know, the logbook um, and being consistent with my nutrition. And that's more like seeing my body kind of as in as an ex- science experiment that way, my own kind of N of one, um, you know, I enjoyed that. You know, I'm not like thinking like, oh, what is, you know, head judge Sandy going to say about my shoulders today? You know, like I don't think about that. And I think, I don't think you, I think people that do think about that, they, they burn out or they're honestly just doing it for like social media. Right. Um, and kind of Chris, like what you were saying, like, are you going to be you know, ready and kind of stuff like that? Like, I don't think, you know, for your first show, like you may not be ready, but you also don't know if you'll even like it until you get on stage. Right. And that was kind of, I mean, I'm thankful for Steven for telling me that. Cause I was so like, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be big enough and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I wasn't big enough, but at least uh, now I know that I like it and I want to, you know, keep working toward this. Right. Um, so kind of checking that perfectionist tendency of like, okay, I'm not going to per- procrastinate until I'm perfect at this. Right. I'm going to kind of do a little messy action here. Yeah. That's actually a really valid point. Um, and that's actually something I recently started doing is trying to correct. So my rear shoulders are noticeably different. So uh, I just started uh, investing in a coach myself so I can hurry up and get that corrected as fast as possible just so I can compete because before I was, okay, I'm going to bulk. I'm going to bulk. I'm going to bulk. I'm going to get big. I had a goal weight of 200 pounds. Uh, I weigh 170 right now, but that's the heaviest I've been. And I'm 170 and I'm like, you know, I actually, I have a decent amount of muscle. Why don't I just beat people with science and practice on posing and go from there? So yeah, that's actually a really good statement that 
is probably what I needed to hear. <laughs> well, and like we were saying before, like that's like the hardcore stuff, like working on bringing up like your rear delts and working on like imbalances. Like I just started working with a PT too and like working on some imbalances and like the humbling work, like that's yeah. like a lot harder than, uh, you know, kind of the glamour side of the sport. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, Sarah, another question, though, because obviously, right, you put out killer content. How are you finding the time or what motivates you to kind of continuously put out content um, that, right, is showing the science, but also showing individuals who you are as a coach? Yeah, I would say it's Instagram is a struggle for me lately because it's like, does anyone even see this? But knowing like people do see it and if it just helps like a handful of people, it is worth it. And, um, you know, like it's kind of almost like kind of creating like a library of, you know, different content that I can refer my clients to, you know, in the future. Um, so, you know, Instagram is honestly a little bit frustrating, but the podcast and, you know, you I feel like that's like more rewarding too. And just, you know, knowing people listen and people take away things, uh, that's, you know, pretty motivating. Yeah, I got you. I know something that I've heard a lot of people is like, I put all, all this information, but nobody's listening. But again, I think if you're putting it out for that exact reason, um, you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. Just put it out. I think the one thing that I really enjoy of doing one, doing this podcast um, and just trying to, you know, put out some content or when I was doing it more frequently is it's holding me to a, a certain standard where like, Hey, I got to stay on top of my game. I just can't put out shit just to put out shit. I got to put out shit for it to actually make sense for it to read well, for others to understand it. Um, to only read, to really do that is for you to understand it. So again, it always kept me on the top of my game. So I think that was another really good reason that always kept me motivated to do it. And to I, thought, I thought you just wanted to talk to me this whole time. This is awkward. Nah, I really don't like Chris. <laughs> Everything listening to this, I really do like Sunday, like bro session, just bro chat. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly, these podcasts, right? Talking to like-minded people, um, and just hearing their side of their story and their perspective, it, it definitely, one, makes you feel a little bit more sane, but also helps, you know, take different avenues with other clients in, in that aspect of approach. So, And you mentioned something earlier, Sarah, the motivational interviewing. Have you read that book about motivational interviewing? I forget the author, but. Yeah, I actually, I have that book. Um, I can't remember the author either, and it's in the other room, but um, it's a good one. I honestly, a lot of it, came really intuitively to me because of kind of my time in therapy. So like, again, I'm not a therapist, so no one freak out about that. But like a lot of like, kind of like the motivational interviewing, like the cognitive behavioral therapy, I was kind of already exposed to. So I was able to like, it was all like, you know, like an example would be kind of like, uh, I don't know what the actual term is, but playing the tape through, like where you kind of work with a client on, you know, oh, I'm scared to eat, you know, carbohydrates. Well, what happens if we eat carbs post-workout? Uh, you know, I get fat. Well, you know, does that really happen? Like this is, you know, and, and kind of working on those limiting beliefs. Yeah. And so the author, the third edition is William R. Miller. And okay. literally that's like, it's changed my complete perspective. Cause like, instead of like talking to clients, like, First off, the whole idea of like directing slash guiding slash in between or whatever, like that's not something I even thought of until I started reading this book because now when I like talk to clients, I try to avoid directing unless that's what they really just ask for because they, most people know like, okay, it's not most people know, but like eventually they'll end up knowing and they're like, okay, I need to eat. Like, if I want to change my body, I know I need to eat. And I'm like, if you reword things like, okay, why didn't you, like, you need to hit your protein goal this, like, like this week. It's like, how is hitting your protein goal important for you this week? And then if they just hear themselves say it, it's basically you telling them that they need to do it, but in a way that they're going to be a lot more receptive. And that I feel like has changed a lot of my conversations just since I started reading this book to be not, not even more effective, but more positive. Like it creates a better relationship. If you understand how people will respond when you say things certain in a certain way. Absolutely. And like, we're the coaches, but like, we're the, we're a team, right. With our, yeah. clients. so 
I, I don't want to like should all over my clients, like, oh, you should hit your protein this week. It mm-hmm. should be, or I want to say, how, how do you think, you know, you can work on increasing your protein this week? Or what do you think is realistic for you? You know, as far as meal prep goes or, you know, whatnot, like I'm not going to force someone to eat something if they're not, you know, hate it or whatever. Yeah, I totally agree. If you're able to kind of, how I like to explain it is like, I try to push my clients to the correct answer without actually explicitly telling them what to do. And then if they're able to kind of come up to that conclusion, um, it's that much more meaningful to them instead of me treating them like a robot and say, Hey, you should do this, or this is how it needs to be done. Um, because if I'm just uh, a boss, like that doesn't do anything for them. We, like you said, a lot of us know what to do. It's almost going through that experience or that beauty through the struggle aspect. So they can understand, Oh, that aha moment. It's like, Hey, like this worked, like, I should do this, or I'm going to continuously do this. Um, But if you continue to just shove it down their throat in a, almost like a bossy manner, they're a lot more uh, reluctant to do that. Yeah. And, and the key to really sustain this is to learn. So if we can educate our clients, you know, along the way, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that way, you know, we know they're not going to be 80 years old with a macro coach, right. You know, so, you know, we want to give them kind of this education uh, for, you know, their current goal, but then any future goals that they have. Agreed. Totally. All right. I think that's all we got. We'll let Sarah get, enjoy the rest of her Sunday. I know Selection Sunday's about Whoa, to happen. Hold, hold up, Adam. Can we at least let Sarah tell our six listeners where, where she can I was going to say that, man. But no, you, I don't, you just cutting straight to basketball. I know you. You might have seven or eight. I mean, my mom will listen now, too, to this podcast. So now we have all of Ooh, our right? Mama Ford Bush up. I, I love it. Eight, eight people. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what was the question? Where, where, let me finish. Cause you interrupted me, Sarah, we'll let you go, but tell our seven or my bad, our three to seven listeners about you, where they could find you on Instagram, YouTube, and your coaching services as well. Yeah. So, uh, on Instagram, I'm pretty active. I'm mostly active there. It's at Sarah Ford Bishop. Um, and then I have a podcast as well that I'm just kind of getting off the the um fat here i don't know how many i don't how do you know how many app learner or app people you have adam adam just knows we don't have any so by him saying <laughs> we have six or seven it makes him feel good okay i was like i might have zero i have no idea <laughs> we have no idea <laughs> okay uh but i have a unfiltered fitness radio and that's on um apple Podcasts and spotify and then my emails uh, is sarah bishop fitness at gmail.com yeah, so if you want to reach out, if you guys want to follow her, if you liked her talking more than me and Adam, we, we get it. We're annoying. But find out where you can find the most valuable information. If it's Sarah, go check her out. Other than that, this was All the Smoke with Sarah Ford Bishop. You guys have a wonderful day. All the smoke. That's all it is. Thanks, guys. Yeah.